Hey, Elliot, did you hear Tom Cruise says they're going to be starting filming on Top Gun 2 next year? Yeah, another 80s film getting a sequel, which is kind of like, I don't know, kind of have me scratching my head because if it's going to be starring Tom Cruise, I mean, isn't he in his mid-50s? Yeah, at this point, he's got his AARP card. You know, he's still on the highway to the danger zone, but at this point, he's driving 40 in the left lane with his blinker on the whole time. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrano. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! Geek Counter Geek number 90. Can you believe it? 90 episodes. There's there's actually 90 episodes of us talking out there, Elliot. I, it's funny, because uh, who has swears on how far we would actually make this? <laughs> I, I, I think it was at nine. Right. It was like, you know, I remember when we talked about first putting this podcast together, and I said, sure, let's do it. And we went from just talking, you know, on the weekend to... Doing things pretty on the regular, you, you would get me everywhere too. Whether I'd be on the road or at home, <clears throat> Rare, rarely. I mean, we we would do it face to face. We would do it face to face. Now we just can't stand each other, so we need at least ten miles between us. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's at least ten. It's actually in the uh, in the in the actual fine print. It's ten kilometers. So it's it's not quite that far. Kilometers. Not quite that far. That's right. You know, yeah, but I, I, I'll I'll try to be better. I'll try to be better. So it's uh, so it's it's episode number uh, ninety. As you may know, uh, if you've heard uh, these uh, these these fine episodes before, uh, you can follow me at Keith R Conrad on Twitter, Elliot at Elliot Serrano on Twitter at Geek Counter Geek, uh, Facebook dot com slash uh, Geek Counter Geek. And, uh, you know, there's a lot going on this week. We're actually recording this on uh, May 25th, which is it, it has uh, multiple significances in the uh, in the pop culture world, because uh, today is Towel Day. And I have to admit that that although I'm a, a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I have no idea why May 25th is Towel Day. Uh, geek confession. I have never read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I have the entire collection of the books, the series, and in addition to the Dirk Gently's Policy Detective Agency, I have not read any of them. So I think that kind of gets me kicked out of one of the clubs, um, maybe the Doctor Who Club, because uh, uh, Douglas Adams, the writer on Doctor Who. I even have his book, Shada, which is the unproduced um, script for Doctor Who that he wrote, um, lo, those many years ago. Um, so no, I don't. I, I don't know why May twenty fifth is the um, um, towel day. I do know why it is the anniversary of Star Wars. Yeah. Well, well, actually, that gets to a good point because uh, this week, unfortunately, we lost uh, Roger Moore. He he hung in there until he was ninety. So uh, I don't think anybody should feel sorry for him. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, I was going to say that uh, you know my my big famous uh, sort of. Uh, 
pop culture blind spot is that uh, I have never seen a James Bond movie. Um, It's uh, at at some point early in my life, it was a coincidence that I, you know, just simply hadn't seen any. But it's gotten to the point now where I feel like I have to respect the streak. And it's like it's gotten to Cal Ripken like proportions. And I I feel like I have to uh, I have to respect it. And, uh, you know, it it should probably be the same way with you and uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. If you've if you've made it this far, I think you should just hold out. Just hold out, right? No, it's funny, too, because um, um, uh, with Cal Ripken, you know, a lot of people forget that his little streak would occur. Because even on days when he couldn't play for whatever reason, he would start an inning, and then the man would sit him for the rest of the game, you know. It was just to keep keep the, the streak alive, you know. He'd start the first inning, then boom, then that would be counted as a game and so on. So, I mean, you can do things like, your streak would include never seeing a James Bond, uh, the the teen James Bond series, you know, uh, the James Bond Junior cartoon. You've never seen that. You just add it, you know. Just keep adding to your iron, your iron 007 avoidance, you know, streak. Just you've never read a James Bond book. No, I I certainly uh, certainly haven't, and. Um... You know, I, I have to be honest with you. I uh, I don't think that my life is any less fulfilled because of that. I, I recognize the significance, but uh, I, I don't think that uh, that I'm really missing out on that much. Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, James Bond, I think so many people know James Bond kind of like as a culture bit. Um, you know, just like so many people, you, you hear about Star Wars, and more and more people I meet each day tell me that they've never seen Star Wars. Um, and then you talk about like with this whole bit with the, the the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. So many people that you talk to, they never saw it in the theater. They didn't see it until it was on home video or on cable. That was the first time they saw it. Um, even like the, you know, uh, when StarWars.com did their bit on um, getting people to give their recollections of the first time they saw Star Wars, you know, the folks said, well, you know what, I, was, I wasn't even born when it came out. The first time I saw it was when it was on VHS. Wow, that's really reaching back. <laughs> well, I didn't see it until I was probably about seven or eight, and it was actually on TV. So that probably would have been about eighty nine ninety before I saw it. Yeah, and that bit when it was shown on TV, if I remember correctly, I want to say CBS showed it when it was on television, broadcast television for the first time. And they put in all this unused footage, this footage that never appeared in the theatrical release. I want to say it was in the... Um, the televisions, uh, the first television airing where we saw Biggs, you know, we saw more of Biggs, uh, big dark lighter, Luke's um, um, a boyhood friend, you know, childhood friend from Tatooine. And um, yeah, that was a big thing. But then after that, you never saw it. You never saw that again. So, so I actually never saw the original version. I just saw the first version of the special edition. Ah, see, there you go. Um, if people want to see the original theatrical version that appeared in 1977, you have to track down one of those um, DVDs, or you know, track down one of the original VHS tapes, which um, I actually happen to have. Um, 
I don't have a VHS player to play it on, believe that. Or um, they re-released them on DVD as part of a special uh, Target thingy promotion where you get the you were essentially buying the movies all over again on DVD. So they sold they sold you the special edition, and then the bonus DVD was the original theatrical release, also on DVD. They have yet to do a Blu-ray of the original theatrical editions, which they keep saying uh, Disney will do at some point, but the rights to it is just ridiculous, and that's probably never going to happen. Quite frankly, um, the original version of Star Wars, I remember going back to my own uh, recollection it as a kid, um, I remember just having a lot of issues with it, that um, there were, uh, it got really led in plot-wise in the middle, a hell of a lot of expo- ex- exposition, and the uh, special effects got kind of clunky there for a bit. So, I, you know, I understand why George Lucas wanted to do, you know, the, again, the specialized, the special editions, um, to kind of, like, make them seem more consistent with the rest of the films. Even if you take the first Star Wars, uh, the original version, and uh, Empire Strikes Back, which came out three years later, there was such a big advance in the technology of what they were able to do. You know, even Empire and Star Wars kind of like stand apart from each other. They don't look as well. Yeah, I could see that. If if nothing else, you probably learned a lot just from the process of making uh, the first movie, and that ended up, you know, making a much better product in the second one. Exactly. You know, and it's and the thing too, and the the uh, another geek confession here. Um, Uh-oh. I this is becoming the geeky confessional edition of Geek Counter Geek. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, when, I first, when I saw the very first Star Wars, and again, I saw it in theaters, this was back when um, movies like that stayed in the theaters for a while. I, uh, the movie premiered May 25th, 1977. I did not see Star Wars until months later. By then, all my friends at school and church and wherever, they had already seen the movie. And talk about being spoiled, I kept having Star Wars quoted to me, like, you know, by everyone around me. You know, they say, oh, yeah, great, princess, what a wonderful smell you've discovered, and, and all those things. So, um, because my family was, you know, we were somewhat poor, and we couldn't afford to go to the movies all the time, it really took something special to go, and I guess over time I told my dad, can we see Star Wars, can we see Star Wars, can we see Star Wars? Um, the problem with with my initial Star Wars experience was, one, by the time I went to see it in the theater, I had already read the comic book. So oh, so, so you were I definitely had, spoiled. Like, like you know, yeah. uh, you know I, was, I was still you know, pretty young when I saw it for the first time. But, you know, even even then, like, it, it's so pervasive in the pop culture, even in, you know, the 80s and, and early 90s, that, uh, you know, I, I kind of had a pretty good idea of what was going to happen. Right. You know, so I had already read the comic book. I'd also read the novelization of the book. In fact, um, it's interesting, for all the um, classic trilogies, um, 
I would read the novels or the comic before actually seeing the movie. That kind of became a tradition for me. Because the first Star Wars, I went in completely spoiled. So when my dad finally took us to see Star Wars in the theater, what did he do? We got there late for the, the showing that we were supposed to see. Uh, we walked in during the last 20 minutes of the movie. So it was essentially as, uh, as the Rebels are ready for the attack on the Death Star at the end. Um, he went, we went in, we sat down, we watched the end of the movie, stayed in the theater until the movie started up again. We watched the whole movie up until the point when we walked in, and then we left. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was my experience seeing the very first Star Wars movie. Utterly spoiled, already knew the story from the comic book, didn't even see it. <laughs> from beginning to end um, when I went to the theater to see it I saw it from the end to the beginning when you think about it and uh, since then that's why I have this um, this um, kind of this neurotic thing where I cannot walk into a movie after it started like in fact I can't stand walking in um, after the credits roll in the beginning I have to be there before the credits start rolling um I'll, I'll handle walking in the middle of a trailer preview be, beforehand. But once the movie starts, I can't. I, I'll say, nope, I will wait until the very next. I'll wait until the next screening, next showing. Um, and I didn't really become the huge Star Wars Luke Skywalker fan until Empire Strikes Back. That's the one that really hooked me. Yeah. I, I, and I think. Um... Um, you know, I, I saw the, uh, I saw the first one, you know, on, on TV, obviously. Um, but I wasn't really paying all that much attention to it. And I think like, um, I, I was sort of the same way where Empire Strikes Back was the one that actually, you know, really hooked me and said, oh, wait, this is, this is actually pretty good. You know, what it's funny is that it took the Empire Strikes Back to turn me into a real uh, Star Wars fan. I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, I was, I loved Star Wars beforehand, but my passion in Star Wars was really more for the comic books, not as much for the movies, because again, I read the comics, and then waiting until Empire Strikes Back came up, I bought all the comic books. I had the whole run of original Marvel comics, you know, up to that point. And um, uh, same goes for it with Star Trek. I really got hooked on Star Trek with Wrath of Khan, which many people call the Empire Strikes Back of the Star Trek series. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair comparison. And, you know, the thing about uh, the Wrath of Khan in, uh, in Star Trek is, uh, like, that, that sort of, like, creates the, you know, the, the, the I don't know, like, the, it, it sort of creates the universe of the movies, at least, I would say, like, all of them are, you know, they, they, they have the same look and feel as the Wrath of Khan. Like, you know, they drastically, it, you know, they drastically changed, like, everything down to the uniforms for Wrath of Khan. But they keep that same look and feel through the rest of the movies. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I think that probably has a little bit to do with it, too. No, oh, yeah, because when you think about Star Trek, the motion picture, everyone's uh, walking around wearing powder blue jumpsuits. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and it's and it's kind of it's kind of funny to th to think that um, uh, you know that that was that was probably because of you know maybe partly because of uh, budget concerns 
and partly because you know maybe Roddenberry had a little bit uh, firmer you know firmer grip on the on the tiller while they were making uh, Star Trek the motion picture, but yet Trek fans being what we are, they felt the need to like explain how all that happened. How it all happened? Yeah. And you know, and the thing too, but one of, one of the big differences between um, Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, and you know, you know, of course, now we call it A New Hope because that's what um, you know, Episode Four, A New Hope. That's what we call it later. When it first came out, it was just called Star Wars. You know, there was no Episode Four. There was no A New Hope. It was just Star Wars. The, the crawl just started, um, and um, it, the the transition from that to Empire. You notice the big difference, too, because Lucas wasn't directing Empire Strikes Back. He was involved in more of the editing. Um, he was really playing more of a producer's role and um, being on set to, you know, guide things here and there. Um, but it, you could tell it, it had a much light, a lighter touch to it than in, a, than in a, again, A New Hope. And the dialogue was a lot better, to, <laughs> a lot easier to understand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Harrison Ford really struggled with that 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 dialogue in A New Hope. You know, it's really it's always a lot of funny things that in retrospect, um, you, you you know you hear you know the the, the, the Obi help me Obi Wan Kenobi you're my only hope that is a big um, quotable from Star Wars. May the Force be with you. Everyone knows. Um, sorry for the mess. That's what a Han Solo says when he shoots Greedo. There's one throwaway line that's very funny in um in um in a New Hope where the Millennium Falcon is just blasted off from Tatooine and they want to escape from the Imperial Star Destroyer and Han Solo says to Luke, jumping through hyperspace is not like dusting crops, bull. And Luke doesn't go, what like he doesn't get an expression like, what the hell are you talking about? Dusty crops. I'm a moisture farmer. <laughs> you know, we don't grow things here. We suck water out of the air. You know. Yeah, it's like you know? have, have you have you seen this planet? There are no crops on Tatooine. Yeah, right. There are no crops here, and you would think that Han Solo would spend enough time on Tatooine to know that. But even then, you know, you you know, I'm thinking, well, Han Solo, he's a more of a well-traveled guy. He's been to planets where they actually do dust crops. Um, but still, the fact that Luke doesn't go, have again, have a look at his face, like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, because Luke hasn't been to a planet where they dust crops. Right, and I'm there going, you know, one question that I've been always wanting to ask um, these, you know, like Pablo Hidalgo or the folks in the Star Wars story group is, you know, how did people, how did people go to the bathroom on Tatooine? Did they have flushable toilets? Because it seems to me on an arid planet, you would not use water for something like a flushing toilet or even a bidet. You know, that seems like a, a waste of precious, precious water. So how, you know, how did they go to the bathroom? And and if they didn't use water, what was Luke's experience being exposed to like the bathroom on the Millennium Falcon? I like to think that that's an. I, I like to think that's an aspect of the Star Wars universe that will be heavily explored on the next season of Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> you know, 
all these moments, all these little character moments. You know, I've always wondered, you know, like, how did they, like, I, I, I'd ask this a while back, how many bathrooms are on the Millennium Falcon? Is there a bathroom on the Millennium Falcon? And it took somebody to notify me on Twitter, you know, because I have the, um, I have the schematics of the Falcon, and I couldn't find it, and they go, if they go, someone even said, it's near the front, it's called the head, which is what you call, you know, bathroom on a ship, and um, I was like, oh, there it is, oh, there's only one, oh, goodness, I, I wouldn't want to be uh, Han using that bathroom after, like, Chewie had done, done used it, yeah. go, go in there. Well, you know, it is a freighter, and so you wouldn't expect a freighter to have, like, huge crews. So I could, I could see that having only one bathroom. Yeah, I could see that, too. So, and, and so as far as, the, you know, as loving and celebrating uh, Star Wars and the 40th anniversary, you know, um, I think it's great. Mind you, I never saw it when it opened. Um, when Star Wars first came out, they didn't have things like premieres like we do now. Um, this is kind of like, you know, we, of course, recognize this as the 40th anniversary because that's when it came out. It's like Life Day is considered the Star Wars holiday, uh, recognized on the day the Star Wars holiday special came out. So I'm wondering if we're going to be celebrating that anniversary. Um, I certainly don't think so. Uh, I'm going to be celebrating it, telling you that. Tell you what. <laughs> so, uh, Elliot, you're on the road this week, and uh, w whenever you're on the road, you want to make sure that you're hearing uh, this podcast and any podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network as 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 well as you can. And uh, you know, if you if you want to hear every detail uh, in in crystal clear quality, you want to uh, get some high quality headphones and accessories from Tweaked Audio. Uh, they have key features like eight colors and styles, mic'd, non-mic'd versions, designed to sound great for music and talk. So whether you're listening to music or one of the 90 episodes of Geek Counter Geek, uh, it has a noise-reducing design. So, you know, when you're on the road, you're, you'll only hear the podcast and, and nothing else. Also has a lifetime warranty. And if you use the discount code GCG for Geek Counter Geek, see what they did there? At checkout, you can get 33% off and free worldwide shipping. So that's a discount code GCG. And then you'll be able to hear... Geek Counter Geek and all of the rest of the Radio Misfits uh, podcast network podcasts like uh, Minutia Men and uh, Lasano and Friends. They just wrapped up their third season. And, of course, uh, The Dishing Bitches. Oh, and Wrapped in Plastic. They're the ones who cover Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah, and now that's, uh, now that's back. So, we're, so we're, yep. you'll definitely want to uh, keep, keep up on that one. Yeah, because I have not had a chance to watch any of the uh, Netflix uh, Twin Peaks revival. Uh, I just heard it. I heard it's just as weird as ever. Yeah, that was uh, that was one I I never got into. But you know, now that it's back, I mean, if I could watch the uh, the original version too, you know, I'd I'd probably probably be okay with uh, with catching up on that. I mean, it's as good a time as any. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I strongly recommend get the mic version of the headphones. So that not only can you listen to a podcast, but you can record a podcast while on the road, hands-free. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, you know, not to spend uh, spend too much time on uh, on Star Wars this week, but, you know, it, it is the 40th anniversary and everything. And uh, uh, Variety came out with their, their preview of, of uh, The Last Jedi, and I believe they did come out with one of these for The Force Awakens at about the same time. So, you know, right around Memorial Day of, uh, of 2015. And, um, you know... If you were expecting a lot of spoilers, you're going to be disappointed. But uh, at this point, you should know the Star Wars universe well enough to know that you're not going to get any spoilers. And they've been—I will say though—they gave you a nice little teases here and there. They introduced some new characters, a new locale. Um, they um, showed, you know, they uh, again the, the folks from Star Wars, uh, Pablo Hidalgo himself, talked about uh, certain aspects of the new film. Ryan Johnson talked about some aspects in the new film. Again, you know, just um, whetting your appetite. And for me, you know, uh, I will say I've, I've done pretty good, pretty well not spoiling myself. And again, I did with the original trilogy. So, right. Um, yeah. And I, and I won't be, I won't be reading the comic book ahead of time because uh, frankly, Marvel doesn't even do that anymore. They, they, they do the comic book adaptations like almost a year later to avoid spoiling. Yeah. So, now, um, w- when The Last definitely. Jedi comes out, will you watch the last 20 minutes first and then watch the beginning of the movie? <laughs> well, see, I would have done that with The Force Awakens. If I was gonna, if I was gonna, uh, but no, no. Again, I knew Rosie's won't let me do that. And I just, no, nope. I will not walk into the movie once that trailer starts, once that crawl starts. <laughs> Once the crawl starts, you're in sacred territory. You can't intrude on that. Nope. I'll be look. I'll be waiting in the hallway for the next for the next screening to start. Well, you probably won't be alone in that one, actually. No. Now, uh, so, what, um, one of the one of the things that I took away from the variety uh, variety preview was that uh, Kathleen Kennedy said that uh, you know Han played a big role in the Force Awakens. Uh, obviously, he was. He ended up being a mentor to to really both Ray and Finn, and in this movie, apparently, you know, they they did say that. Uh, well, I don't think it's any secret that Luke is going to play a big role in it because you know his name's kind of in the movie. I mean, it's it's the Last Jedi, and they've said it's referring to Luke. So uh, obviously, Luke is going to be a, a big into this one, and she said that the plan was for Episode Nine to be sort of Leia's uh, moment in the sun, and. You know, I, I've I've been around enough media people that I know they're trying to kind of soft sell something, and um, you know, they, they basically they they've said, hey, you know, Carrie Fisher had filmed all of her parts for uh, the Last Jedi before before she passed away, so they're actually not going to change anything because you know they they don't have to because uh, you know they got everything they needed. Um, if the idea was for episode nine to focus very heavily on Leia and they're using everything that they have of Carrie Fisher, so they're not actually changing the story, the story was clearly going to lead into something that would have made Leia the focus of the next movie. So I think they're soft selling us on Leia coming back in CGI form. I think it's clearly going to happen. They're just trying to get us used to the idea. Mm. 
Well, that was a, a source of debate on Twitter because um, um, you had the whole bit where you know, people do find it. Um, well, they're very attached, obviously, to the Leia character. There's a lot of stuff about uh, the general uh, Organa character, especially in light of today's political climate, that folks are latching onto. Um, so, recasting Carrie uh, Leia with someone other than Carrie Fisher uh, could border on blasphemous. I mean, that's what yeah, I would say. Yeah, I, I don't think um, that would ever happen. But there's so many folks who aren't really comfortable with the idea of her being CGI'd as well. I mean, I myself am not comfortable with it, and even Kathleen Kennedy herself has said that's not going to happen. Um, but, you you know, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I will say this. You and I had this debate about who was going to die in The Force Awakens long before The Force Awakens came out. Yeah, I and, and I... Saying, no. Yeah, no, you kept saying, it's going to be Han Solo, it's going to be Han Solo, it's going to be Han Solo. And I kept saying, no. I kept arguing it. And and it was like the whole, come on, Keith, you silly fool, you, you obviously don't know Star Wars as well as I do. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing is, is I, I admitted that I don't know Star Wars as well as you do. I was actually reading the behind-the-scenes tea leaves. It's saying, you know, exactly. based, based on what we know about Han Solo or, or about Harrison Ford, I don't see any way that he signs on to revisit the character unless they're killing him. Right. And I'm like, huh. So now I'm going, cause, and, and, and they were saying in the Vanity Fair article that with the death of Carrie Fisher, and yes, as you said, they acknowledge, you know, she has a bigger role in The Last Jedi, and they were trying to set her up for a much, much larger role in episode nine, I, but they don't want to, they're not changing the story, but they are changing the story to episode nine somehow. Like, how do you account for Leia just disappearing after spending all this time setting her up? Well, well here's, how the, here's how this will play out. This is a, this is a, a prediction. Mark it down for, for how, how this is all going to play out. Everybody's going to see, uh, um, you know, The Last Jedi. It's going to clearly set up, you know, some aspect of the story is going to set up, you know, Leia playing such a huge role in Episode Nine. And what they're going to say is, hey, you know, uh, the, the, the story is, is doing phenomenally well as far as, you know, we love the direction that it's going in. There's no more perfect way that we can rewrite this story without having Leia in it. And so we're going to have to do it. We don't listen. We don't want to do it, but we're going to have to do it because there's just no other way we can tell the story the way that we want to tell it without Leia being there. Well, you know, I mean, part of me wants to vociferously disagree with you and say, Keith, you're wrong. You fool. There's no way. But now I'm like, going, wow, you kind of have a point there. You know, okay, because uh, I'm telling you, it, it's going to take some damn clever maneuvering. Or, uh, and again, they are saying the the word is that they are not changing the Last Jedi at all. The movie is what it is. It's going to stay that way. If anything is going to change, it would be Episode Nine. How do you change your third act if in the second act you've been setting up a character for the third act? Yeah, that that's you know without changing the second act. Really, the fact that Kathleen uh, Kennedy is so 
you know, so, so clear on the fact that, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to bring her back as a, as a CGI character. That just, that just reinforces to me the idea that they're going to bring her back as a CGI character. Um, you know, it, well, that, that's we'll it's just kind of how, how it works. You know, it will cause some debate and consternation for sure. I mean, even more so than now. Um, I'm, but you're right. You know, once The Last Jedi comes out and people see it and see how the Leia character figures in, it might go from you can't recast the role or you can't use CGI to you must. Yeah. And, and I think that they, you know, they, they proved that, uh, you know, in Rogue One, they proved that, that you can do that effectively and you can do it in a way that isn't, you know, that, that isn't hokey and doesn't look like you're exploiting the person. You would think that uh, having had that experience with uh, with Peter Cushing, that they would actually be better at it now if they tried to do it again, which they probably will in other movies. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the way things are going. But, uh, you know, we'll see. The important thing, Elliot, is uh, now we have uh, we have 90 episodes of of Geek Counter Geek uh, out there on the Internet for people to uh, for people to listen to. Um are there enough samples of me going um and actually that uh, <laughs> you could actually just replace me and nobody would notice? Uh, I there. I'm going to tell you something, Keith. There are times when I'm, I think that I'm not really talking to you, but an algorithm that you have created to play the host while you're off on some cruise somewhere in the Bahamas or something. <laughs> The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cabotron.